And welcome to this week's edition of The Mountain Gardener. Your host, Ken Lane, here every week talking about the landscapes of northern Arizona. And we're getting close. So my I see that my roses have heavy buds on them, large. I mean, as soon as this thaw happens, they're going to start leafing out. I mean, within days, literally. So it's a good time to plant roses, especially uh, uh, pre-rooted type of roses. This is when you get your most most exotic or new varieties of roses. So they've landed at the garden center this week and available for planting, even in the cold. As soon as this snow thaws, the ground is going to be so easy to work because the ground didn't freeze. The snow lighted on it. wasn't There, were, there was no frost line, no ice line in, in the soil. And so the snow came and it's we had a foot and a half at the garden center here in Prescott. And so that has been slowly melting. There's a little bit left. My backyard, there's a lot left. My front yard is more sunny, is just about melted. So we're in the, in the shady spots. It's going to stick around for a while. But as it melts, it permeates. It just, just penetrates deeply into the soil. And so it makes it real easy to plant a new tree, real easy to plant roses and these big spruce trees, larger things that need a big hole. <laughs> this is your chance. And they're going to like planting. The, the soil is, is moist. You're going to add some compost to that. So it'll keep the soil from compacting back down. It'll keep it hydrated. It'll attract the worms. There's a lot of benefit to it. So then they wait. when they do finally wake up, they're going to go, whoa, hey, just what, look at this. This soil is nice and rich. It's moist. You know, I think I should bloom and grow here. And so lilacs, your big hedgerows of Arizona cypress, junipers, uh, your, your uh, uh, roses, peonies are in. You can put all those things in right now. Oh, but Kenneth, winter. It's cold out. They don't care. They're cold. They love the cold. They like that. That's why you're planting. That's why you live in a four-season climate. You've got plants that like growing in four-season climates, including cold winters. And that's the time to plant those things. I did notice uh, quite a bit of damage from that snow. So the snows from this point through March, or first part of, of April, kind of when we, we can see a snowy wet cycle, the snows are extremely heavy like this last storm. That's very common. And so it lighted on top of some of these branches and they just snapped. And so I, I'm seeing a lot of damage on elms, especially the wild, um, the, the, the Siberian or Chinese elms. Those are kind of a trashy tree because they break so easy. They easily get diseased. They throw seed everywhere. We don't even sell them at the garden center, but they grow naturally throughout the area. Um, the ones I had in my yard, I cut them down first thing, and then I, I keep them from coming back because they're such a weedy tree. They're also called a widow maker, and so they tend to break branches in wind and heavy snow. The same thing can be said about willows, uh, globe willows or, or weeping willows. They're very soft wood, and so that snow lights up on there, and, the, and the, the branch gives way. Uh, cottonwoods, especially your, your big ones, the Siouxland cottonwoods, those, those ginormous ones. I've personally nearly had one tried to kill me. Huge branch in a windstorm came down and just smacked like 10 feet right behind me, right where I'd walked. It's kind of, I don't, I don't do that anymore. I don't walk underneath trees that big, soft wood trees. Uh, that's where you're better off planting maples. They don't have, they're not prone to that. They're harder, stiffer, the branch structure is such that they don't break. 
uh, ash, locusts, Bradford pears. These are all uh, stronger, bigger trees with stronger branches that are less prone to break. If you did have some damage, not to worry. Uh, you, if you see that branch, you got obviously you gotta you gotta cut that out. You're gonna have to prune your way out of that damage. So if it's sitting there limp, uh, laying down, not quite broken in two, but it's obviously splintered, you gotta get up and go to the next next Y or next branch structure and just cut it off. If it's really a big hole that it's left in that canopy in that tree, well then you fertilize, fertilize, that, fertilize right at right now, fertilize. So you'll have to grow your way out of that damage. Uh, it is time to, you should feel the pressure to get done with your pruning. You are down to the wire at this point. So if you're cleaning up, uh, opening up your, your, your fruit trees, trying to get the, the shape of your shade trees better, getting your vines back, cutting back your perennials, your ornamental grasses, you should feel the pressure. So the second you can get out there, start heavy, just start pruning. The, the uh, concern I've had several customers have is they're worried about making a mistake. You cannot make a mistake while pruning. You can, you're more pr prone to under prune. You make the mistake by not pruning enough than to prune too much. Because fertilize, if you simply throw a handful of all-purpose plant food, that 744 mix underneath, it's going to shoot up. It's going to take that same root structure and use all those nutrients and just grow like crazy. Uh, so you, you can literally grow your way out of it because it's got, it doesn't have to support as much top growth anymore. So you can put all that energy from the roots up to the trunk and grow even, even more. That's the reason that you prune back so heavily, grapes, berries, these kind of things that put on new fruit on a big new cane. That's why you're cutting back. So it forces all at the same root, pushes more energy, creates more new canes or stems or branches. And so you get more fruit. So that's, that's kind of critical, actually. You need to do that. Your fruit trees need to be opened up. If not, you'll get disease and spots and things that happen. So they need to see the sun and the air in between a peach tree, an apricot, a nectarine. They want to see the plums. Or you'll get this, some, the most famous is called shot hole. It looks like you took a shot kind of went poof right through it and you see little holes through it. It's a bacterial thing that's eating the sugars in the leaf of that, of that tree. It doesn't kill it. Just makes it look a little rough. It grows its way out of it typically, but if you simply prune and open up those that branch structure, you get less. You get uh, less. It can just breathe better. So yeah, you should feel the pressure. Start doing that. If you had a major branch at the trunk level, that's a hard one. So if, if you had, let's say you had a double branch and it split in two, maybe it didn't fall to the ground, but it's kind of there. A little insider tip: I fixed a couple trees that have done that. And this is going to sound funky. It's just bear with me for a second. So you head down to the hardware store and you get a piece of all thread. So they make this big, long, it's like a nut, a bolt with thread all the way through it. And you can put a nut with a washer on both sides. So I'll literally just take a drill. Uh, usually it's about a half inch. Drill it all the way through the trunk. Put your all thread through the tree and then take some big nuts with some washers on, I just simply crank it down until it brings that thing back up, back together. I've actually had some trees 
go decades. In fact, the all thread finally disappeared because the tree kept growing around the all thread. You got to remember, you don't want to take a chainsaw through that area or they'll be bouncing around. You see sparks, but but it's an easy way, a good way, a, a viable way. It doesn't hurt the tree way to drill a hole through it. Trees don't feel that. In fact, the only living tissue on a tree is that outer cambium layer just underneath the bark. It puts on a new ring of wood every year. And so that's the new, the new, uh, the new living piece of that. So to put a little bit a little pinhole through that, it's not even a big deal. The plant doesn't even feel it. The rest of the inside of that tree is pretty much dead material. Really, what it forms is as that material fades and it puts on that new new set of wood, those the interior really turns into straws. It's this carbohydrate kind of stuff that just wicks water up and down the length of that tree. It's made to be, a, it's not a spongy thing, but it just actually, I just think of it as a whole bunch of straws put together so that water can go up and down the tree. That's what the inside of the tree is. It's not actually living material. It's last year's material left over to take water up and down or nutrients up and down the tree. It's Trees are fascinating, just fascinating how they're designed. That's why bark beetles are so dangerous in a pine tree. They get underneath the bark and they're only focused on the living tissue part. They're eating just underneath the bark and if they eat all of that, they girdle the tree, the tree dies. It just literally, you cut off a lot of the nutrients just underneath the bark. The living material can't get up and down the tree. So the tree fades all at once, like in May, just like in a, in a few days, coot collapses. We have a lot in store for you. That's how you take care of trees, pruning. I'll be right back with Lisa Waters Lane after this. 